hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno, joined in studio uh, by one of my favorite people, one of my favorite taxi drivers, one of my favorite radio commentators, uh, one of my favorite playwrights and uh, comedians, and a great guy, the one and only John McDonough. John, how are you? Thanks for coming in studio. Good, good. I love coming down here because you can actually park. That's right. And that, that is a Only great until asset. 7 a.m. Better well, move your car that's, before that's then. That's going to be your problem. You've got to stop those meetings after the show. <laughs> Right, you are. Hey, um, you are partners on the radio with uh, legendary writer and New York personality Malachi McCourt. You told me a couple of weeks ago that uh, Malachi McCourt had actually planned on doing a living will, but then he had to postpone the living will. Well, living wake. Living wake, excuse me. <laughs> living wake, thank you. He had to postpone the living wake because of a death in the family, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. What's the rationale, as best you understand it, and I'll, we'll, we'll ask Malachi himself, but in a nutshell, what's the rationale behind having a living wake? Well, well Malachi just wanted to hear what people were going to say about him before he goes, if they were going to stab him in the back. So he was gathering all his friends uh, down at the Irish Repertory Theater on 22nd Street. Uh, it, it would have been a funny night. He still hasn't planned in the future. Uh, you know, I hope he does it soon because he's going to be 91 in September. But it, it, it is an unusual event because there's very few people that can say, I want to gather everyone that would come to my wake. I want to come and I want to hear what you're going to say about me. Yeah, um, it, it is uh, certainly a unique thing. Um, you tell me what you're doing tonight. You're part of or the, today. You're part yeah. of this moth festival. Well, no, it's not so much a festival. I mean, they do these uh, story slams. So what is it? Well, tell, it tell folks uh, you know, that might be like me and not up on it. it. Right, what is it, it? How it came about is the, the, the Moth Story Hour is probably one of the most famous storytelling radio shows in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's on every NPR station. It runs around the world. they got a great uh, uh, website. So people would always tell me when I was doing my play at the Irish Rep, you know, you, you should look and do the Moth. So when it came out... Uh, I, I went down to Housing Works and, and did the moth and did a, did a song, not a song, a, a story. And it didn't win because the guy that won, the last guy that got it, because they, they, you know, give you points about your story. So I was winning up until the last guy, and the last guy gets up, and he starts talking about his poor wee dog and how his dog was dying. And I was going, <laughs> oh, if this dog dies, I'm effed. And, of course, the dog died. He wins. Everybody's crying. I said, oh, I forget. This is not for me. So now I'm doing a fundraiser for Theater 80 at 80 St. Mark's Place. We're right. We had Jonathan's on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and everyone's still coming up to me. You ever think about doing the moth? I said, no, nah, listen, leave me alone. So this woman comes up to me, and she goes, you ever think about doing the moth? I said, listen, listen, F the moth. Unless you're talking about a dying dog, you're not getting <laughs> on there. So she reaches into a pocketbook, and she hands me a card, and I'm looking at it right now. It says, the moth, artistic director, Catherine Burns. So I start going, humna, humna, humna. I, I, I'm like Jackie Gleason. I bribe a dust. I, I said, listen, I love the moth. I'm just not cut out for it. She goes, listen, we're going to get you on the moth. And that is tonight at the Music Hall in Williamsburg at 66 North 6th Street. So I'll be telling a story. I'm not going to say what the story is, but it's a pretty famous story I tell in my play. Uh, uh, about a reality show. We'll just so what time it. tonight in Williamsburg? Uh, it, well, it doors open at 6.30, and then the storytellers go on at 7.30. There's eight storytellers and an intermission. Can anybody go, or do you yeah, have to buy yeah, tickets no, in advance? No, you have to buy tickets. You, you can get it at the door. It's, it's a big joint. How can people get tickets in advance? 
Uh, go to the Music Hall in Williamsburg. Uh, just type in Music Hall Williamsburg, and, you know, it'll come up about the event tonight. Doors open at 630, and I don't know when I'll be on and which thing. I had rehearsals, which is weird, on Zoom with the other storytellers, and then you have directors that say, well, listen, if you change this here and you do this and they tighten it up and cut out this, because they, they really want you to stay between six and seven minutes and, and tighten up whatever your story that you're telling. And it has to be a true story. That That's the main thing about it. How many storytellers are there? Oh, tonight? Yeah. There's eight. Eight. There's going to be four in intermission and then four. So it's, uh, it, it, to me, it, it's the apex of a storyteller is to get on the moth. Mm-hmm. And I, as I told them, it's all downhill after that. Because... <laughs> Are they going to air it on, on radio also? Yeah, yeah it'll oh, be on a, NPR. Live right? or? No, no. No, it's, okay. It, everything's recorded because you, you, people could flip out. Like it, a lot, it's all right, amateurs. Sure. They get up there and they could freeze or, or whatever. So, and, and they're very professional. Like, you know, s- since the time I've now gotten involved with the moth, Everything is, here's your director, here's this, this is where we're going to go, we're doing a sound check. Because I, I normally go to salons and storytelling events where you just get up, This a lot of times it's not even a mic. Sure. Yeah. And you just get up and you tell a story. Well, well that's, uh, I'm a lover of uh, good stories and storytelling, and uh, I don't think anybody tells them better than John McDonough. So if people are interested in hearing John McDonough tell a story, they can uh, show up uh, in Williamsburg tonight. Doors open at 6.30, but you can buy tickets in advance online. So are you excited about this? Yeah, yeah. I'm really, uh, I'm looking forward because it could lead to other things because so many people listen to it. Uh, like the play I do is off the meter about my 40 years of driving a yellow cab. And I have a laptop, and people get in touch with me. Yo, because I might be doing now the Greek Community Center in Astoria. Because they, oh, cool. they, they got in touch with me. We're, we're very pro anything Greek well, on this radio station. Yeah, it might have something to do with the owner. <laughs> and uh, so I'm working on uh, trying to do something there. So, you know, someone anywhere in the country can say, you know what, I have a theater. Maybe I can bring them in. Because uh, I am heading to Ireland now, which I'm so looking forward to oh, Dublin. Neat. When are you going? In September to do the play. And, uh, you, you know, it's, because there's an Irish theme that runs through the play. And it's, uh, well, you know, that's I, awesome. I, I can't wait for that. I've been putting it off for three years because of COVID. And I'm thanking Biden for canceling the COVID test to come back. Because I, I was in Ireland twice in November. I can't tell you how nerve-wracking it is that before you can come back to the States, you, you had to get a COVID test. And if you tested negative, you had to stay in the country, whatever country you're flying for 10 days. Until you then test it uh, negative. So it, it's very nerve-wracking. And you pay, we pay, I paid $70 to take the, the COVID test. And it takes 24 hours. They email you the result. And if you test positive, you're screwed. Right. So right. now you've got to go to a hotel and you've got to isolate. So by him lifting it on Sunday, it, it, to me, it's a great relief. Now you can go back and forth. And not worry about taking the test. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, great to hear. Uh, we talk with John McDonough, who, in addition to being a performer, talk show host, and a comedian, also happens to be a taxi driver. You're still doing the yellow taxi thing. I, you know what? I haven't driven since COVID, but I keep my license up to date. And it, it, it happens every three years. And I just cannot believe the expense of renewing your license. So I just did it in the past week or two. I was down at the garage in Long Island City. You have to go online. And for $152, you start the, uh, to renew the process. So then there's three things you have to get done. They've set up now the city a new class that you have to take called uh, license renewal, which is five hours of my life I will never get back. <laughs> then well, you why have... bother? I mean, if you, you're driving so infrequently anyway, you're so busy doing all these things, well, you, why are you still so – You know so... why? I've been doing a lot of travel shows. 
People get in contact with me, and they want me in the taxi. So I can go down to the garage anytime I want and get a taxi out. So, like, I've done the Russian travel channel. I've done the uh, French Mm. travel channel. I've done German. So people get in contact with me. So I go down to the garage. I get the cab for 12 hours. They pay for it. And I drive them around, and I give them a tour of the city. So it's a very valuable asset to have. The, the hack license. I understand. Yeah, that and makes sense. The, the city is making so much money off it. That, like, there's 165,000 uh, licenses now in the city. But very few yellow cab drivers, they tend to be older now. Anybody that's young is not going into yellow. Right. They're going, They're going into Uber, Uber, Lyft. They own their own car and things like How that. How much does it cost to renew your uh, your hack license? Almost $500. $500. Yeah, and now I gotta take, you got to take the urine test every year. That's $35 with LabCorp. So every cab driver. But now this is the first time they've done a way you could test positive for weed. But you still can't smoke crystal meth, which I think <laughs> that's, you know, it's a setback. Come on. You know how cabbies <laughs> like crystal meth. you got to uh, stay awake somehow. Yeah. Right? Well, that, that's it. Those night shifts are uh, kind of long for me. 12 hours. I, uh, yeah. I had some well, right you. before I got on air. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Hey, one of the things that you talked about, I don't know if it was our last conversation, but in some of our previous conversations about how to save the yellow cab industry, is you had said, and I think you were the first person to say this, is that they should allow the Uber app to hail a yellow taxi cab. And apparently now that's the case. Now I, that's the I deal testified they at the Taxi and Limousine Commission saying that. Because here's what happened. When Uber first came to town, they were looking for any angle to get in. So they made this grand gesture. They said, listen, we'll come in. We want to be part of the city. We'll put an option on the app that you can tap for a yellow cab. Now, what was happening was because there's no price surging if you tap for the yellow cab, you could get a cab to the airport fairly cheap. So they were losing a lot of fares to yellow cab. So within a year, the first thing they did was get rid of that option. So now coming back, they don't have as many drivers now for Uber. And actually, one of the classes I took is telling you now that now that Uber is putting the yellow cab, but they're doing it differently. They're not doing it before uh, when they came to town. It was $2 you paid to Uber, and then we did it on the meter. Now it's a completely different way of doing it. So you're going to be part of their system. And I could see problems of trying to get the money from right. Uber. Right. But I still think it's a good option. It'll be particularly in the outer boroughs, not so much in Manhattan because you're picking up around Manhattan. But you get out to Brooklyn and Queens, you, you can get that hit. couple of quick issues. Talk with John McDonough, kind enough to join us in studio. Um, if you want to comment on anything we're talking about, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You, um, you are you know, pretty well-versed on the news. One issue that has gotten a lot of attention the last week or so is this gentleman that was – not gentleman, person that was arrested for uh, attempting to Assassin. kill uh, the justice of the Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh. Now, he called the police on himself. He turned himself in. He seemed to be cooperative with authorities. Clearly, this is somebody who was a few aces short of a full deck. What's your take on something like this? Well, I, I want to find out. He he was against two things about Roe v. Wade. He, he didn't like that. And he didn't like about a decision maybe coming down that people in New York City might be able to get guns mm-hmm. legally. And he's carrying a gun to kill. Now, I, I, people haven't played out what would have happened had he assassinated Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh wouldn't have been cold in his grave before Chuck Schumer and them would have nominated his replacement which would have been left wing. Now, you can only imagine what those hearings would have been like and the Republicans kicking up that we have now, you know, tilted the court in another direction because of an assassination. 
And you took, you know, they talk about tearing the country apart. The hearings for a Democratic leaning uh, Supreme Court justice would have been unbelievable, whoever they were picking. And they would have jammed it in before the November elections, before maybe the, the Senate, uh, you know, switches over, say, to Republican. So that to me, I, I wish someone more politically astute would play out that game. What would have happened if a Kavanaugh and who gets to pick him? How quickly could it be nominated? And could they have gotten it done before November's election? Yeah. So that would be you talk about uh, affecting history like one bullet could affect history oh, maybe for 50 years. Absolutely. They get a young Democratic guy in there. And he's there for 50 years. Absolutely. 800-848-WABC. Joan is in Manhattan. Joan, you're on with John McDonough. Oh, hi, Frank. Hi, John. Hello. Uh, listen, con- congratulations on getting on the moss. I remember you telling that story on your show about your embarrassing moment with the, with the head, right? Yes, it yes. It is one, one of the best shows on the radio. I'm surprised, Frank, you say you love storytelling. I'm shocked that you didn't know about it. Yeah, um, well, I, I mean, you, I've heard of it, but, you know, some listeners may not be familiar with it. Oh, yes. Well, definitely check it out. Um, you don't have to go to another station to listen to it. You don't have to be a turncoat and listen to another station. You can just go to their website, right? Uh, John, what is their website? Is it themoss.org? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. And, and the, the website's wonderful. And this particular stories that really stuck on my head, one was a fireman talking about finding oh, two, yeah. two dead kids in Williamsburg. And, oh, yeah. and I'm going to just shorten it. It was so horrific when he found the kid and he was uh, uh, the two kids. So he was traumatized. The mother who had left the kids in the apartment comes running back with groceries. And she starts crying about her two oh. kids that died. And the fireman goes, well, why were you shopping? You let them die. Oh, and he geez. goes, and then he goes, if there's any time in your life you could ever take back something you ever said, that was the time. Oof. It it, ne- it never left my mind. But it was so Uh, real, and his reaction to seeing the mother, and he goes, it was so horrific what I said to her. But he was in the moment. She's coming up. Sure. Believe me, I've been there. And and that was a story. It never left my head. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, Real quick, uh, and again, we'll try and squeeze in one or two other quick calls for John McDonough, 800-848-WABC. But um, you are a critic of the media, I think in most cases deservedly so. I want to ask you about what we've been seeing with the Washington Post. The Washington Post recently fired their reporter, Felicia Sanmez, after this days-long public fervor over a colleague retweeting a goofy joke. She essentially railed against one of her colleagues at the paper and was fired for it. The colleague was suspended. I can tell you, I don't know what the reaction would be, and I don't care to find out. If I were to go on a Twitter tirade, um, you know, tweeting about, you know, Bernie McGurk, Sid Rosenberg, Brian Kilmeade, Greg Kelly, I don't think management here at our station would take kindly to that. What do you think about what happened with the Washington Post situation? I think, you know, airing your dirty laundry, and it happens at WBAI, there's a policy. Like, stick to your own show. Don't be criticizing others shows you don't like but you bring up wabc i I listened to sid in the morning he might be criticizing uh someone that's coming on in the afternoon i listened to curtis lee on the weekends (laughs) what he says about you is outrageous i've given him blank carte blanche to say whatever he wants about the call screener oh that call screener sucks the engineer he's no good that's frank morano's guy (laughs) and then you come on curtis who does he have on i don't like these guys they're like well 
if, if that policy really was here at ABC, there'd be nobody working here. That's true. I'd be the one That's on the true. mic because everybody would be gone. <laughs> I mean, good God. It's true. John McDonough, you could see him at the uh, Moth, uh, telling one of his stories at the Moth in Williamsburg. Uh, 630, doors open. Give me the location again. It's at 66 North 6th Street in Willie B. Anybody in the area, come by. They, they have a very young crowd, and I, I love to see that. They're, they're into storytelling. Although a very young crowd really have no stories to tell. When I went to one of them, this is the theme of the 26-year-old. I live in my mother's basement. I smoke weed. I drink beer. (laughs) And I play video games. And then the women get up. My boyfriend lives in his mother's basement. He drinks beer. He smokes weed. And he plays uh, (laughs) that. And I was saying, I'll go old school. This is how my generation got out of high school. You were drafted into the Army. You went around the world, killed someone. Came back, got married, had two kids, got divorced, and were a raging al- alcoholic by the time you were 24, 26. So you had life experience. You got stories to tell. These kids today, what do they know? Yeah, they got enough. nothing to talk. Video games? Don't. I'm playing this, auto, or whatever these games are. <laughs> That's it. That's all they talk about. John McDonough, it's always a treat to have you in studio. Let's do this again soon. As long as there's parking. Yeah, give yeah, our thanks, best, thanks give our me, best to Malachi McCord. Hopefully I'll oh, see you at his living wake. If you want to comment, 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.